The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. As we continue looking at the book of Job, we come to Job's answer to Zophar. We began looking at this answer last time, but we didn't get very far into it. You may recall that Zophar was the harshest of his three friends. Basically, Zophar leaped to conclusions, accusing Job of lying and other things. And Job's answer is the longest answer he's given so far. It covers chapters 12 through 14. And beginning in chapter 12, he talks about God and how great God is. And then he defends himself in chapter 13, claiming to still be righteous no matter what Zophar's accusations say. Ultimately, in chapter 14, he'll ask some questions that need some answers. But join us today as we begin looking at Job's answers to Zophar's harsh attacks. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
be our helper, I want us to go back to the book of Job. I, I know I've said this before, and I just repeat it once again. This is, according to all evidence we have, this is the first book of the Bible that was written. And I just find it so amazing that the first book of the Bible that was ever written, inspired by God, was written about things that affect us today. You know, are we suffering today? Are we struggling to figure out what's going on in the world today? Are we struggling to figure out what's going on with us, to us? And that's what Job was doing, and that's what his friends were doing, and they weren't, they weren't getting it right. <laughs> Job got it more right than the friends did. I will say that, and I want to make sure we understand that, but even Job didn't get it just right. We're in, we're in chapter 13 right now, and in chapter 38, we are going to get it just right. Because in chapter 38, God comes on the scene. But remember leading up to this point and all the way up to chapter 38, that we have to filter everything that's said through the mouth of the person who's saying it, through the perspective of the person who's saying it. Doesn't mean the words aren't inspired. That's not what I'm saying. All this was inspired to be written down. But you know, it's like I heard Elder Sonny Pyle say one time, everything in the scripture is written for us, but not everything is written to us. For example, in the eighth chapter of John, Jesus makes the statement, ye are of your father, the devil. Well, I hope that's not written to us, <laughs> but it's written for us. It's written for our benefit. And so the same thing here in the book of Job. So, so again, as we, as we go through this book, remember, there are some good tidbits of truth scattered throughout. I shouldn't say tidbits. There's much truth scattered throughout the book of Job, even from the, from the mouths of some of these speakers who aren't getting it just right. But they're making some true statements. Sometimes they're applying them wrong. But there's some truth scattered through here. Job gets it more right than anybody else, but even Job has problems. And remember the overall theme, James 5.11. You have heard of the patience of Job, and you have seen the end of the Lord, that he is very pitiful and full of tender mercies. And if you'll keep that perspective in reading the book of Job, you, it won't be confusing to you. That, you won't get everything. You won't be able to, I mean, I don't understand all the things that went on in Job's life and in the book of Job. But if you'll keep that overall theme in mind, that, that ultimately our view of God from the book of Job should render him even more full of pity and even more full of mercy, tender mercies than before, then we'll be able to pull from Job what God intended for us to get from Job. Remember the three themes, patience, pride, and pity. <laughs> patience, pride, and pity. The patience of Job as he endures these struggles. The pride of God, being proud of Job. Job was a good man. Job was serving God. He served God better than anybody else in that day. We're told God himself said there's no one like him. God was proud of him. God's proud of you, child of God, when you do right. But also we're going to see a negative side to that pride, and that's the pride of Job. We've already seen some of Job's self-righteousness creeping in. And certainly self-righteousness and pride permeated his miserable comfort or friends. They had this whole view of religion as self-righteousness, and it all has to do with some kind of, some kind of supernatural karma that's going to, you know, tit for tat. You're going to have 
Every, you know, for every good deed, you get a good reward. For every bad deed, you get a punishment. And it's always the way it works out. And that is not the way it always works out in the world. And then ultimately, the pity of God, the mercy of God, showing, shown to Job and, and displayed for all to see. So if you recall that uh, two sermons ago, we had talked about Zophar. Zophar is the third of the friends of Job, and he's the harshest of all the friends. And he, man, he lays it out in chapter 11. He, he, he says things like, Job, you're saying all this stuff and you're just lying. You're just lying. And remember Job, remember where Job is. He's in the dung heap, scraping himself with shards of pottery because he, so, he is in so much pain and suffering that he is not able to enjoy anything in life. Even his own wife has given up on him and said, given up on God, said, just curse God and die and get rid of this problem that I'm having. <laughs> I don't know if she was more concerned about her own inconvenience or probably, I, I'm, I'm probably not giving her enough credit. She probably was just really hating to see Job suffer. And all these children he'd lost and the stuff that had been taken away from him and this man, Zophar, says, you're just lying. Your lies are so bad, I can't keep silent. And, and he said, I just wish God would speak. I just wish God would come down here and tell you. And, and really, Zophar's kind of saying, I'm speaking on God's behalf. <laughs> Let me tell you about God, Joe. Let me tell you about it. By the way, I find it interesting that, that ultimately God does show up. <laughs> and you don't ever hear another peep out of Eliphaz, Bildad, or Zophar. <laughs> Or Elihu, for that matter. And then Job responds, and that was the last sermon we had on the book of Job, beginning in chapter 12. This is the longest answer, I think, if I'm correct about this. It's the longest answer he's given so far, three chapters. In chapter 12, he begins answering Zophar's speech by saying, look, God is so great. And, and he starts out saying, look, I know you're, you're so smart. You're so, and he's being, I think he's being sarcastic. That's the way I read this. He's being, oh, no doubt, in verse 2, no doubt, or verse, yeah, verse 2, no doubt, but ye are the people, and wisdom shall die with you. You know, nobody's wise but you so far, and, you, and your two friends. But he says, but I know some things too. I know some things too. And, um, and, 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 and so far, you may say you've got all this wisdom, and you may say that you know all these things, but what you're doing right here is you're mocking me, and that's not what I need right now. I need sympathy. I need empathy. I need love. I really, and really, ultimately, what he needed was for them to be quiet and just sit there like they did the first several days that they were there and just, just commiserate with him. You know, you don't always have to have an answer. You don't always have to be able to give. You know, when someone's suffering like that, you don't, have to, you don't have to have all the answers for them. Sometimes you just need to be there for them. And, and that's what his friends miss. They, they got all this great, wonderful truth about the glory and majesty of God, but they just missed that heart of love that they needed to be able to display the love of God to others. And he begins down in chapter, um, in, still in chapter 12, um, like verses 7 through 9 there. He, he talks about 
the beasts. And he says, you know, you can learn things from just watching nature here. Even the beasts could teach you some things. And down in verse 11, he says, God's given us the ability to taste and judge food and to hear things and determine whether the words that are being spoken are true. You know, you think you've got a monopoly on evaluating the words that are spoken and assessing the truth so far, but I can do that too, verse 11. And then in verse 12, it's kind of where we, we left off last time. And he begins to talk about God. And I want us to just go down through verse, verses 12 through the end of this chapter. And, and here's, some, here's some truth about the wisdom and the power of God that Job gets. Now, he doesn't have it all figured out. And he doesn't always apply it just right. But listen to what he says. I believe in verse 12, he begins talking about God. When he says, with the ancient is wisdom. I don't think he's talking about men. And I believe from the context, I believe this, the reason I believe it's God, as you continue reading, he's beginning to talk about things that only apply to God. So let's begin reading in verse 12. He says, with the ancient is wisdom. And in length of days, understanding. And of course, no one's as old as God, <laughs> right? With him, that is with God, is wisdom and strength. He, he hath counsel and understanding. Isaiah tells us that the, there's no man that's ever counseled God. Who's been his counselor? Nobody has. We all have counselors. We all have teachers. Whether you think you do or not, you do. You had it in school. You still have them now. But God doesn't. And notice, look at the power and majesty of God, the, 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 absolute, the absolute omnipotence of the Lord. Behold, he breaketh down, and it cannot be built again. He shutteth up a man. And there can be no opening. He with, behold, he withholdeth the waters, and they dry up. Also, he sendeth them out, and they overturn the earth. I believe here's a reference to the flood that had occurred already. I believe Job lives after the flood. And, and notice what he's saying here. This is why I believe he's talking about God. He doesn't say God right here, but he's talking about God. And, and by the way, keep in mind that God is coming on the scene eventually in chapter 38. And some, as I said, we're going to see Job kind of misapply some things. He doesn't, he misunderstands some things, but he's got a pretty good concept of God. You remember what he said? He shutteth up a man and there can be no opening. Now he's not talking about shutting him up from talking. He's talking about enclosing him. God's basically, when he, when he does something, there's nothing else you can do about it. You can't overturn that. What's God going to come on the scene and do? He's going to say, Job, tell me where you were when I created this world. Where were you at, son? Job can't answer. Now, anyway, let's keep reading here about God, and then we're going to see, hopefully in chapter 13, we'll get there tonight and see some things that, that Job begins to maybe get a little off track on. But he says, verse 15, Behold, he withholdeth the waters, and they dry up. Also he sendeth them out, and they overturn the earth. With him is strength and wisdom. The deceived and the deceiver are his. I, I have to stop right there. I love that. Have you ever been deceived by somebody? Has somebody ever lied to you? You get mad at them, don't you? You get angry. I wish I could do so. Look at them. They're getting away with it. Look at them. They're lying. You know, you know, you know people. I'm sure they're just liars. 
I had a coach in high school. He was an assistant coach. I won't call his name. He was a pathological liar. We went on a hunting trip with him one time. He just happened to be along, and we got down to Aliceville and where we were hunting, and there was a coyote way down in the pasture. And one of the men that owned the pasture took out his rifle and shot at that coyote and missed him, and he went on. He came back to school that next Monday. I think it was on a Friday or Saturday. He came to school on that Monday. He told everybody how there were five coyotes down in the field, and he got out his rifle and he shot and killed two or three of them with one shot. Just made up a lie that nobody, everybody knew he was lying. You know, he just, as far as I know, he got away. Well, you know, he got away with it and nobody called his hand because we were two, you know, we were kids or high school, but, you know, he was my coach. But it was infuriating, right? (laughs) I don't like being deceived. I don't like being lied about. Well, by the way, let me just say, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands to ask you, is there anybody here who has never lied? Because I don't want you to lie when you raise your hand, <laughs> okay, in church. You know the deceptions of your own in your own life that you've caused, okay? But I'm thinking specifically about the frustrations of being lied about. But you know, when I can remember this verse, it makes me feel a whole lot better. The deceived and the deceiver are his. Isn't that something? In other words, nobody's got anything on God. You know. Now this can mean, and maybe it does mean, that maybe, you know, that God certainly God's children lie. That they're maybe both his children and one day God will set that right by bringing us all together in heaven. But I rather think this means that not in the sense of the redemptive work of God, but in the sense of the creative work of God, that the deceiver and the deceived are both his. They're both created of God. Isn't that something? Now, he didn't create them to be deceptive. Don't misunderstand me. He didn't create you as a liar. (laughs) You're a liar because you just are a liar. (laughs) You're not a liar because God made you that way, okay? You're a liar because you're a sinner. I'm a liar because I'm a sinner. You know, don't say you're not a liar because you are. Have you ever misrepresented anything? You ever told a half-truth? Didn't tell it all, right? You know, that's a lie (laughs) if you're deceiving in some way. But be that as it may, the deceived and the deceiver are both his. Now, look at this. We've got a lot of people in this world that are leading a lot of God's children astray. I, I think about not too long ago, I was advising a young person about the that was, that was looking for a, a counselor, you know, a, a licensed counselor. And I told this young person, I said, do not go to counselors that are provided out there in the world. Be sure when you go to a counselor, you go to one that is a Christian counselor, someone that has a biblical worldview. Because there are so many counselors today. Why do you think we have this gender, what's it called, gender dysphoria, gender mix up whatever you want to call it because there are counselors in this world telling you that you can do whatever you feel like doing that you need to follow your heart I used to kid with sister Lydia about that say oh sister Lydia just follow your heart (laughs) you know the problem with that is the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked you better not follow your heart you better follow the word of God but listen to this 
He leadeth counselors away, spoiled, <laughs> and maketh the judges fools. You know, that's how great our God is. <laughs> All the counsel, the ungodly counsel of this world is counsel that will ultimately fall because God will lead it away spoiled. Yes, there's temporary, temporarily they succeed. Temporarily the, the wicked judges of this world are in power, but ultimately God will overrule it. But what about kings, Job? He looseth the bond of kings and girdeth their loins with a girdle. He leadeth, away, he leadeth princes away spoiled and overthroweth the mighty. That's our God. That's the God Job knew. That's the God Job is talking about here. And he's, he's describing this great God back to these, these petty men who were trying to keep their God in a box and figure out, explain to Job just exactly what's going on because they got a handle on God and they know what God's like because God's like us. God's not like us. There's a place where I believe it's the psalmist said, he is not a man. He is not a man as I am. I believe Job actually says that. He is not a man like me. He's something greater. He removeth away the speech of the trusty and taketh away the understanding of the aged. He poureth contempt upon princes and weakeneth the strength of the mighty. He discovereth deep things out of darkness and bringeth out to light the shadow of death. You know, I've... I've dwelled under the shadow of death before not for me personally but we've all had loved ones I'm sure that have passed away the most recently my dad but we've had others in in life I was talking to someone today who just lost their father and at a young age and reminding them about Sherry and how it, by age 31 both her mother and father had died and we lived under the shadow of death for a long time there we did it you've, you've done it you've experienced it it is a shadow. It's dark. It's deep. Notice what God, God bringeth out to light the shadow of death. I don't know. I, I know that Job didn't understand the things that we understand today. But what I, one thing I want you to remember about Job, we, if, I doubt we get to it tonight because it's a couple of chapters over. But in chapter 14, actually in chapter 13 a little bit, but ultimately in chapter 19, we find where Job's hope lay. He didn't understand it all, and he gets some of it wrong. But ultimately, he's gonna, it's going to kind of shine through that Job's hope lay in the resurrection of the dead. That, I mean, you say, what? What? <laughs> Wait, the first book of the Bible, Jesus is thousands of years away from coming. All the detailed theology that we have in the New Testament does not exist in this day. There was some, obviously this was revelation. Perhaps there was some other revelation given to men that wasn't written down. But they didn't have all the details. Abraham didn't understand it all. Isaiah did not understand it all. He wrote some wonderful things about Christ, but... But I think they all were told over in the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter. And I'm just going to turn there and, and read it because I think it applies to Job as well. Over in Hebrews chapter 11, we read about Abraham who was called to go out into a place 
that he didn't know where it was. He didn't know where he was going. But in verse 9, it says, By faith, Hebrews 11 and verse 9, By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He knew there was something greater than what he saw around him. And, he, and we skip on down to verse 13, and you see, speaking of the patriarchs there, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises. This is Job. Job didn't receive the promise yet. He didn't receive the understanding of what Paul, who I believe wrote Hebrews, already understands because he's experienced the risen Christ. But he says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J. C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.